I certainly hope to fulfill your expectations here this morning. I trust you're here to worship. Many, or could we say most, uh, young children tend to be afraid if they're outside during a thunderstorm. I'm not picking on children. That's just, that's just a tendency. A lot of them tend to be afraid. When the lightning is, out, is flashing and the thunder is, is crashing, children prefer to be inside, indoors, and close to their parents, which is good. I believe children need to know that they, can be sa- they are safe when they're with their parents. Some children don't like to go outside after dark, for example, to put their toys away, or in some cases, for sake, close the barn doors. They prefer that dad would go with them, and also that dad would bring a bright flashlight as they go outside to take care of some of their chores. Young children have a few fears, which is understandable, but they feel safe when they're with their parents. Keep that in mind. Turn to Matthew chapter 8. I'd like to read a few verses from Matthew 8. We're going to look at verses 23 through 27 from Matthew 8. I'll read it at this time. Matthew 8, 23. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was now covered with the waves. But he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying... Lord, save us, we perish. And, when he, and he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Familiar account. Can I ask the question as we start here. What is the purpose of this account? Why is it recorded in scripture? Was it, is it here just simply for us to see how Jesus rebuked the wind and following that there was a miraculous calm? I think the words that Jesus spoke, which was only a few here in verse uh, 26, I think they uh, offer some key information. The title of the message this morning is Faith versus Fear. Faith, I'm sorry, fear versus faith. So storms may bring fear, but our faith will be strengthened when we call upon the Lord. So we're going to take this uh, the little story I said about, about children, how the children rely on their parents for comfort, and how we can rely on God, the Lord Jesus Christ, for our comfort. The first point is his disciples followed him. You think, what is that phrase significant? It is. Verse 23, the disciples True disciples of Jesus will follow him regardless the cost. When we think about, about following Christ and putting our, our trust in Christ, I don't think, as we look at this account, I don't think the disciples knew what they were about to experience. Jesus got into the ship, and they followed him. So they were on board with Jesus. And maybe that's sometimes where we find ourselves, following him even though we're unsure of the details. You ever find yourself in them shoes? You know, I'm, I'm sure I'm following Christ, but I'm not sure this is going to all, all pan out. A true disciple of Christ will follow Jesus faithfully, and also we will not question where he is leading. We think about fear versus faith. The disciples in verse 23, they had made a commitment. They decided, we're going with Jesus. 
They were headed across the sea. They were committed to be with him regardless of the circumstances that lay ahead. And the question we could ask ourselves this morning, can Jesus count on you or me to be a committed, faithful follower regardless of the cost? Just take a quick moment. Drew, how do you, how do you think a little bit of, of your expectation? And just think a little bit this morning, where are you at as a follower of Christ? Are we following him regardless of the cost? As we think of the story, we could ask the question, why did Jesus decide to take the ship? Uh, it was only a short distance around the lake, yet Jesus decided to, uh, instead of walking, he's going to get into the ship. And a number of the reasons are that he could rest and also that he could share this experience with the disciples. So we get into verse 24, and we find here, and we can picture the scene in our mind. This, this, uh, the ship was out in the sea. Sea of Galilee, Jesus was sleeping, and his disciples were rowing across the sea. Approximately eight miles they had to travel. And we know the Sea of Galilee, and due to its location, it was very, um, it's not unusual for, for violent storms to suddenly sweep down upon this, this body of water. So Jesus, all along here, I believe when he got into the ship, he was aware that the storm was coming. I also believe that when Jesus got into the ship, he was aware the storm was coming, and Jesus could have prevented the storm from coming, but he allowed it to come and to teach his disciples, and you and I here this morning, to teach us a few lessons. And there arose a great tempest in the sea, and in much that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. A few things on the storm. The storm rose unexpectedly. I believe it took the disciples by surprise. As we see, it was a big storm. It says a great tempest. The waves were covering the boat. Again, try to picture what is happening here. The disciples in verse 25, we see that the storm was life-threatening. They were afraid that they were going to drown. And now just think for a moment, if you can, with me here. Some of these disciples that were in the boat with Jesus there, they were seasoned fishermen. They were accustomed to storms. But even that being the case, we see here that they were afraid. So let's leave the disciples in the boat just for a moment, and let's look at our lives. Now this morning, we're not seasoned fishermen, but we too are journeying through across the sea of life. One, one side of the sea is what we call the cradle, and the other side is, is the grave. And this morning, we're moving from one to the other, and the journey is short. And during the journey that you and I are in, storms are going to swoop down unexpectedly. Give us little to no warning. But what we need to remember, as long as you and I are following Jesus, the storms will come. Let's not forget that. We need to remember that storms are expected when we are following Christ. Some storms may be as this one here was. Some storms may be big. Some may tend to overwhelm us. Some may even threaten to engulf us. Some are life-threatening. And at times, wherever we are at, we will see no way of escape. And it feels like we can't even press on in our current situation. What is a storm? There are storms of affliction. There are storms of temptation. There are storms of sickness. We, some might be experiencing family problems, disappointments. Some might be having financial difficulties. And at times, you go through life as we're on this journey from the cradle to the grave, and you're going to feel like you're trapped in a boat. And then as you look around and observe your surroundings, you realize... Oh, by the way, we're beginning to sink. And during these times, we quickly go from a time of, okay, we were feeling safe. Things were going well. Then we look up and we see the storm clouds rolling in. 
And maybe there's times as you're going through life when you feel like Jesus is asleep. He, he's unaware of my current condition. Now stop there for a moment. Now I think that now we know how the disciples felt. Is this how they felt as they were going through their storm? So let's go back to the disciples for a little bit and a few things to notice. As I mentioned, they were seasoned fishermen, but even now, in this situation, they were unable to handle the storm. More than the disciples, they knew the sea. They were familiar with the boat. They knew how to handle themselves in the midst of almost any situation or trial because of what they had been going through. But this storm was so severe that they were unable to fight through. So these seasoned fishermen were terrified, helpless, and hopeless. They were left to themselves, or so they thought. Again, picture your mind of them being out there. I think they tried to, as I would call, manhandle the storm without Jesus until the situation got out of control. Also, I do believe they knew that Jesus was in the ship with them, but he was asleep and seemed far away and unaware of what they were facing. Okay, now let's come back to our lives again and compare. We're too uh, seasoned to living and handling the storms of life. How many times, do not raise your hand, have you ever said about life, I got this? Did you ever get to a point in your life and say, you know what, I'm feeling your age strong, I got this. How many times have you said, there is no storm that's going to be able to sweep down upon me that's going to be out of our control? And maybe we go as far as saying sometime, I'm almost self-sufficient. And then one day, the great storm hits. And fill in the blank what the storm may be. It's out of our control. It's one we can't handle. And we're left like the disciples. We're afraid. We're helpless. And we feel that, yep, Jesus, he's unasleep and unaware. And then as we get to the end of verse 24 with the disciples and with you and I at this point in our lives... We ask the question, what is the root problem when we feel Jesus, the Lord, is unaware or out of reach or untouched by our, condition, by our need? And I was studying and I thought about it. The, we heard the little phrase one time, if the Lord feels far away, who moved? And what we're doing here this morning is hoping to look at these verses and to build our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Storms of life may bring fear, but our faith will be strengthened when the Lord is near. So storms of life, I have mentioned, they're going to come. That They may bring fear, but our faith will be strengthened when the Lord is near. Let's go to the next point. A desperate cry from verse 25. And I had to ask myself the question, why did the disciples wait so long? We see here the storm, the situation they were facing was completely out of their control. And according to... Uh, to verse 25, they said, save us, we perish. They, they thought they were about to die. They waited and tried on their own strength, but to no avail. And then, again, if you can, picture the disciples. I don't know how big the boat was, but picture them out there on this boat. And I asked the, self, I asked the question, were the disciples proud men? So, so men, we know... It has been said, another phrase we hear sometimes, uh, real men don't ask for directions. But were the disciples proud? Is that why they were not asking uh, for help? I picture them being big, strong, capable, seasoned, experienced, calloused, and hesitant to ask for help. That's where the, these verses lead us to think. 
then I had to ask myself the question, are we more like the disciples than we care to admit? As we go through life, then maybe I can find myself that way sometime. Like I told you before, uh, well, we have, we have two boys and three girls, and my two boys moved away. So when there's work to do on, on the weekends, guess who's left? And sometimes it's hard to ask for help. Maybe that's where the disciples were here. They had handled every situation before, and it could be that they thought, you know what, we can pull through this one as well. And I'm unaware of how much time passed from verse 23 to the end of verse 25, but here we see them going to Jesus, waking him and shouting, Lord, save us, we're about to die. I don't want to be too hard on the disciples, so to their credit, they believed that Jesus could save them, so they came to him. Positive point. Secondly, they confessed their need to be saved, for the boat was about to go under. So they saw that they were in need of help. And they cried out to Christ for salvation, to save them. Uh, Romans 10, 13, For whosoever should call upon the Lord shall be saved. So we get to this point, take a breath and ask the question, what can we learn? And you're sitting here this morning and saying, well, I knew this story since I was five. Yeah, we all did. But what can we learn? Today, we're living in a self-sufficient society. We're living in a day where we can handle as, where we handle as much as possible before we go ask for assistance. And maybe we, 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 uh, we feel that asking for help is a sign of weakness. If I ask for help, that means I can't handle it on my own. But that is not a biblical principle. In fact, it's the very opposite of what Jesus is teaching. Jeremiah 33.3, Call upon me, and I will answer thee, and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Here we see the desire of our Lord. And that is that he desires for us to look to, to him for direction. He wants us to call out and to communicate with him. He promised he will answer. And then he goes further and he says, I'm going to show you great things, things that you may not even have asked for. And we, are, we recognize that he has the power and the ability to answer or plea, whatever it may be. In that verse is clear that the calling out part is back, falls back on our lap. You can almost look at Jeremiah 33.3 as a challenge. Jesus is saying, just try it and see what happens. And not, I'm not saying here this morning that we have not called out to the Lord and looking for help and looking for answers and looking for direction. But maybe he's saying, try it. Call me and see what happens. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Call, come unto me, all ye labor and heavy laden, and I will promise this, I will give you rest. Here we see a personal invitation. Are you weary? Are you looking for peace and comfort? Jesus promises that, we, that if we go to him, we will find it. Moving on, we see the challenging question. This is the next point in verse 26. So after the desperate cry, if you can picture again, Jesus sleeping, and the, he, the disciples came and they cried out to him. He woke up. So he, I look at it as, as he's laying there. He opened his eyes, but before he got up, so to speak, he asked them a question. And his disciples said, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, and the, the verse te- Bible tells then he arose. Do you get it? So he's sleeping, laying in the back of the boat, and the disciples said, Lord, we're in trouble. So he opens his eyes, and he asks them a question. And I rephrase the question just a tad. It said, Jesus what Jesus said. Why the fear and where the faith? 
I believe Jesus was, was surprised at their fear and their lack of faith. So he, he asked them a question, and then he got up, and he rebuked the storm, and there was a great calm. Why the fear and where the faith? And Matthew doesn't record that Jesus received any answers to the question. But a few things to ponder about the disciples running to Jesus here. Jesus was not frustrated by their call, nor by the fact that they interrupted his sleep. He didn't rebuke them for waking him or for going to him. He's never disturbed or impatient when we cry out to him for assistance. But as we see there, it's quite clear he was not impressed with their fear and lack of faith. And in, in, while studying, one commentator said, there is no excuse for a disciple's fear. I had to read it a couple times. That was referring to you and I here this morning. For when we are with, with Jesus, there's no need for fear. There's no excuse for a disciple's fear. As followers of Christ, we're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no excuse for our fear. Believers are people who are trusting in the Lord, knowing that he is looking out for our well-being. Maybe after, after I'm done, you're going to say, did you ever fear? But I'm, what I'm, I'm saying is we need to be careful uh, when we talk about having fear versus faith. If our faith is, is in Jesus Christ, we have no reason to fear. So why did the disciples fear, we could ask, if we are not to fear? And could it be that they had neglected Christ? So, again, I said earlier, I don't want to be harsh on the disciples. We could build a case on the disciples' side and saying, well, they, they didn't want to wake Jesus. They didn't want to interrupt his much-needed sleep. And they were being considerate of Jesus and, and, his, spiritual, and his, not his, his physical well-being. That's why they didn't go to him right away. And that is a side. The other side is just stop and think how much trouble they could have avoided if they had gone to him earlier. And take that thought about going to Jesus right away and apply that to our life and consider it for us in, in the future. But we have to remember Jesus will never grow weary of our continual cries. There's nothing more than he desired for you now this morning than that relationship with him. And we can't have a clear, open relationship if there's no communication. Are we asking the Lord, getting, going to him during our times of trials? All our pleas, all our, our, our prayers, our problems, our projects, it's okay. Take it to the Lord. He is there for us. I think the disciples learned the hard way by trying to handle the situation by themselves. Maybe they were, uh, I ask if they were proud men. I think maybe you could say they were overconfident of their own ability. We can handle this on our own. How many times do we, like the disciples, walk in self-confidence and not paying attention to the Lord and to his care? Let's learn from the disciples' mistake here and just call out to the Lord not waiting until the last moment, as they did. They were about ready to go under before they cried out. Let's not be like them there. And then they expected him for, uh, to help them immediately in their state of emergency. Let's not be like that. First Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Another very familiar word, uh, verse. And we understand the part of that verse about casting our burdens on him. Jesus is there to just cast them on me. But then the verse turns sweet, if I could say, when we remind how Jesus cares for us. 
so we can ask the question, will he always provide a carpet path for us to walk on? And the answer is no, he will not. But the fact is he, rem- he cares about what you and I are experiencing. So this morning, Jesus cares about what you are going through. here. Uh, through. And again, I'm not here to say, yep, I see a bunch of storms. That's not where I'm at. But if you, have, if you are struggling or going through a tough uh, a trial, Jesus cares about what you are going through. Psalm 103.13, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. I started out with the children don't like a thunder and darkness. Like a father pitieth his children. That you go along outside with your child to help put the toys away and close the doors, whatever it may be. Picture that. And that's how the Lord cares for you and I. Like a father takes care of his children, so the Lord takes care of you and I. When we're adults, we can handle this. But the verse says he cares like a father pitieth his children. Are we there? Can we cast our burdens upon him knowing that he will sustain our every need? When Jesus said in verse 26, why are you fearful of you little faith? When, if you look at that, do you think Jesus rebuked his disciples with his question? Was he rebuking them? Why the fear, disciples, and where is the faith? Christ will rebuke fear and unbelief because fear and unbelief dishonor him. So if we're going through life and we have fear and unbelief, Christ is going to rebuke that. Fear and unbelief in the heart of the believer is telling the world that Christ is not able to handle my situation. We need to be careful there. We would be, it's like saying, well, he's not strong enough. He doesn't even care enough. He doesn't love, love us enough to look after our trouble. And that's a foolish thought when we think of the verse we just covered about how Christ is out there caring for and proving his love for our children. And I, my mind went to the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they are about to be thrown into the furnace. What was their conclusion on the whole matter? If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace. And he will deliver us out of that hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Reword that. Our God is able. Our God cared for us. Our God loves for us. And by the way, even if our God decides to let us burn, we will not worship your idols. And again, I know it's a very familiar story, but these three boys painted a clear picture of faith in the presence of fear. I don't think any one of us ever got to the point where they have, where we're standing right outside the door of of death, or in this case, the furnace. And they knew they were about to be thrown in. And the fire was so hot, it killed the men that threw them in. But God is stronger. They said, it's okay, I'm not going to back down and serve your idols. And if I die, I die. They painted that picture of faith in the presence of fear. Storms and trials can lead to discouragement and fear. I believe most of us are aware of this. And fear, we may fear sometimes to say, you know, someone has gone too far for recovery. We may fear sometimes that, just fearful that, you know what, nobody cares. Or we may even have that fear that life is not worth living. There's no reason for living. But these fears and these feelings are not from God. Why? Because there is hope in Jesus Christ. He is the great deliverer from fear. He is the great deliverer from trials and temptations. 
Go back to the Old Testament for a verse. Take this one to heart. Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He asked the question, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Can we just go back and touch on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just for a second? I think they knew exactly what that, what that verse was saying. The Lord is my strength. I'm not going to fear what this king can do to me. I'm not even going to fear the hot furnace because I'm serving the Lord. Why fear when the Lord is near? And again, Christ will rebuke fear because fear dishonors him. Are we trusting or are we afraid? On the other hand, let's look at faith for a moment. Faith is the foundation of our lives, not the beam for emergency support. Faith is the foundation of our lives. A foundation is not something that, that temporarily serves its purpose, then can easily be removed and later reinstalled, but rather a permanent part of our life. Faith is the foundation of our life. Everyone here this morning is sitting in this church, is sitting upon, on, on the foundation. It's on my left and on my right. There's a foundation all the way around this building. We're sitting on that. And tomorrow morning, the trustees are not going to come along and remove it. It's there. It's the foundation. It's always there and will be there. It's a permanent part. And that's how faith is in our lives. It's a permanent part of our lives. It's a foundation for life. Secondly, faith is the flow of our behavior, not the vaccine for emergency situations. We know what vaccines are. We're very familiar with that currently because of the whole situation. Faith is a flow of our behavior. Again, it's not the product we use a few times a year. Rather, it's a character in the flow of our behavior. So it's our foundation, and it's the flow of who we are. Faith is a filling thought of our mind, not the sporadic thought aroused when in a desperate need. Do we get where we're headed? Faith is not something that we just use occasionally, just like the vaccine. It's not something that's occasionally the thought comes to our mind. Faith is to be the constant plea of our heart, not the occasional cry of desperation. So how can we sum up what I said about faith? We're living by faith. We're living by faith. We're trusting in the great love of Jesus Christ. We're living confidently under his protecting care. We're living without fear. And we're recognizing that worry is vain. Why? For we are living by faith. Faith is not something that we store in a Tupperware container in a kitchen cabinet and mix a little bit in with our daily life living when, faith, when, when needed. No, faith is faith in uh, faith in Jesus Christ is more important than the air that we breathe, and we can't live without faith. We can't live without air. But what about faith? We cannot live spiritually without faith. Are we living by faith? Faith is our foundation. Faith is our filling thought. Faith is our constant plea. Faith is part of our character, and we are living by faith. The songwriter says, "Faith is a victory that overcomes the world." Because our faith is not world-based. Our faith is based in Jesus Christ, who is seated at the right hand of the Father in glory. And there's victory in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Is your faith based in Jesus Christ? Or is it based on some other sifting sand like we looked at a few weeks ago? Yes, storms may bring fear, but our faith will be strengthened when we are trusting in the Lord. To take faith out of our lives, we might as well take air out of our lungs. Because we're going to go down. Are we living by faith? Are we living by faith? The next point we see is a powerful deliverance deliverance from uh, 
verse 26 there. What we see here is Christ, he is the, the sovereign Lord over all nature. So he was sleeping, the storm came along, he gets up, he rebukes the storm, and there was an immediate calm. When they went and awoke Christ, the first thing he did was pointed out their fear right away. Before he even arose and answered their need. All the problems of the world are known by Christ. Do we believe that? All the problems of the world are known by Christ. And he providentially, over, is, he providentially overruled by They are overruled by him. Do we realize the power and ability that our Lord Jesus Christ has? He doesn't have to rush out to meet our problem. Because he knew what we were going to face before we faced it. Problems are not a danger or a threat to the child of God. It doesn't mean we're not going to suffer sometimes trials and temptations. But we know that he is always there with us. The disciples had to experience the storm. They experienced the storm, but Christ was right there with them. How does that line up? Well, he's always right there with us. He will strengthen us and carry us through the storms of life. What we need to remember is that God uses storms of life to teach us to trust him. And how can I say that so confidently? If there were no storms, there would be no need to trust in the Lord. So if everywhere we went, the red carpet was ruled out, and we had not, not, no reason for fear, and we were just, everything was well, we would have no reason to trust. If there were no storms, there would be no reason to trust. At the same time, God does not put us, his children, through trials to watch us suffer. But what we have to remember is that every trial that has a, a lesson for us to learn. What does God want me to learn through this? And there are some things that happened in the past that I, I look back on, and I'm not quite sure if I learned yet what I'm supposed to learn from that. But what does Christ tell me, wanted me to learn from this situation that I am going through? Again, to side with the disciples for a moment. The disciples endured this storm while they were in the same ship that Jesus was in. It's not that they had decided they're going to go their own way when they encountered this storm. In verse 23, they followed Jesus into the boat. And from that, look at I think it's shouting out to us this morning, storms are not necessarily a result of sin. Were the disciples in the wrong? They followed Jesus into the boat. You and I are following Jesus today. The storm came up. Christ delivered them. He provided the strength to go through. You might be facing a storm in your life right now. It does not mean that there's necessarily a, a spiritual problem and sin in your life. Because here the disciples were right there with Jesus. And I had to think that Jesus was in some dry spot in the boat while the disciples were struggling with the waves. I'm not sure how, how it all looked. It said the ship was covered with the waves. I'm not sure where he was. But nonetheless, he was with them and he is with you and I here today. How often have we misread the presence of Christ thinking he is out of our reach? We've got to be careful. How often have we misread the storm thinking it's out of his control? Now we can remember back to these verses here. But Jesus was sleeping. He got up and he, he, he doesn't even tell us what he said. It says he rebuked the winds and the sea. 
So he told the winds, I think one part it says, peace be still. And it was, there was a great calm, one, one of the Gospels. All-powerful, a God that we serve. Are we walking close enough to the Lord Jesus Christ that we can, he is always there with us for whatever we are facing? He will speak. He will calm the storm at the very best time. And many times that may be after we have learned what we're supposed to learn about through the storm. If you're going through a storm, what can we learn from the, what we are facing? Matthew 19, 26 but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men it's impossible, with God all things are possible. Not to take that verse out of context, but we have to recognize that even the storms are listen to the voice of our Lord. Church, let's not minimize the understanding and the power and the ability of the Lord. The Bible tells us his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts and our thoughts. But just consider two points here. Christ can calm any storm of life for us. And right along with that, Christ can strengthen us to go through any storm of life. So wherever you are at, Christ might be calming that storm, or he might be providing the strength for you to go through that. And regardless which way he decides to go, it doesn't mean he cares less about you one way or the other. Is he helping you through it, or is he calming it so you can just as the disciples here experienced, do we believe uh, it, the power that he has and are we at peace to allow Jesus Christ to strengthen or calm as he sees fit? But the point is we can't forget that he cares for each one of us and he has the power and the ability to remove it or to help us through. I think we're all aware the disciples witnessed many miracles firsthand. We get to the last point here, the disciples marveled. I think the disciples witnessed many miracles firsthand. But here we see they were, they were surprised. This was something they have never seen before. Even the winds and, and the waves, the sea, they obeyed the voice of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we get to the end of the verse 27, maybe now they understand a little bit more what it meant to call him Lord. Lord who possesses all power, even over nature. Maybe now they had a better understanding of what it means to trust in him and trust in his word. We could say their Lord or our Lord was, in this case, and is today able to control even the elements of nature. I know I started out by saying thunderstorms make children afraid. I love thunderstorms because it helps, it reminds us, me, of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's in control of, of everything. Maybe they could understand, they could depend on him. They knew they could depend on him for the power to calm any storm they would face, the disciples there. And that's the same for you and I this morning. Any storm that we could face. You might say, Leon, are you sure about mine? Well, look, Jesus can help you. He can, he can calm whatever we are going through. It's also interesting to see here at the end of verse 27, all they could say went in shock. I think they were in shock at how he calmed it. This is what they said. What manner of man is this? So I asked the question again, which we started with. What can we learn from this account? Storms may bring fear, but our faith will be strengthened when we trust in the Lord. 
There is no storm that we can face that he is unable to control. The purpose of storms is not to place fear in our hearts, but so that we can see and experience the power of Jesus Christ and so that our faith can be increased. Also, I'm not saying we're low in faith, but that faith can, can, can be increased. Jesus may use the storm he is, you're facing to, uh, to reveal his power and authority. Whatever you're facing. Look at the disciples here. Jesus may use the storm to help us see our need of him. The disciples, if I can add some, if I can put some words in their mouth, I got this. I can handle this storm. But Jesus uses storms to help us see our need of him. Jesus uses storms to demonstrate his love and care for us. And I think that's, that's such a beautiful picture. Brother, sister, child, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put you through this. But in reality, I'm, I'm going to show you my love and my care. Jesus, may use, Jesus uses storms to make us marvel and say, what manner of man is this? So I ask, why the fear, where the faith? We were singing this morning, fears often affright us, but then we, we concluded, Father, lead us on now and evermore. Is that our plea? Is that our prayer? also thought of the, the phrase, only trust him. And I, you're, you're correct. I do not know what you're facing, but I do know who can help you through the storms. Learn from the disciples. Don't wait till you're about to sink. Just call out to him. Last Sunday's bulletin, if you remember the top right-hand side, it said, faith is like a muscle. It grows by stretching. We talk about being outside our comfort zone, and we like to be inside it. But we learn so much more when we get outside, when our faith is stretched. And maybe the Lord is just stretching you, stretching your faith so it can grow. But doesn't... Do not allow it to you to be, if you go through a storm, don't become bitter, just become a better for the Lord. God bless you as you go face this week. Be strengthened by the fact that regardless of what you're going through, someone is watching over you and he can help you calm the storm or give you strength to go through. That's Paul's for prayer. Father God, we come before you here this morning. Lord, such a blessing to look at these section of verses here. And the lesson that you taught the disciples, but you also taught us this morning. And I pray that our, our faith could be strengthened. We're at different ages, different stages of life, but may our faith just be uh, rooted and grounded in you, Lord. Help us to, that to be our foundation for our life, God. Help us just to trust in you, knowing that you will help us through. Give us wisdom and direction. Show us your will and your way one day at a time. But through it all, Lord. I trust you can count on each one here this morning to be a faithful follower of yours. In your name we pray. Amen. Song, please.